Hello and welcome to Dragon Bites, the paediatric podcast aimed at paediatric trainees or anyone interested in child health. I'm Asim, one of the paediatric trainees here in Wales. This week we're going to be focusing on cardiology. We have the first in a series of cardiology-based podcasts. Professor Orhan Uzun, fetal cardiology consultant at the University Hospital of Wales, is going to discuss tetralogy of fallow with me today. We're going to be focusing on the basics of what tetralogy is and how it can present. And then there will be a podcast later on the management of tetralogy of fallow. Anyway, let's get started. My name is Orhan Uzun. I'm a consultant pediatric cardiologist. Today, I will be talking to my colleague and my friend about Tetralogy of Fallow. Excellent. <laughs> right. Um, Asim and I, we are going to give you cream of Tetralogy of Fallow rather than boring you with a lot of words. Tetralogy of Fallow is an obscure term. Mm. Although it might mention Tetralogy, uh, indicating that there are four features. Mm. Two of them are hemodynamically significant mm. and two of them require surgical treatment and two of them are relevant to our examination and our findings. Mm. The other two are the consequences of the first two hemodynamically important issues. Oh, right. Okay. The most important feature is pulmonary stenosis. Mm. Pulmonary stenosis most often is in the region of subpulmonary area underneath the pulmonary valve. Mm but pulmonary valve itself, as well as branches, may be involved too. Yeah. Second common and second important feature, rather, is the VSD. VSD is typically underneath the aorta. We call it sub-aortic location or perimembranous VSD, which allows right and left ventricle empty simultaneously into the aorta. This is the cause of cyanosis. Yeah. This is where we get our mixing. Correct. Mixing causes cyanosis in these patients, depending on the severity of pulmonary stenosis mm -hmm. and depending on the degree of aortic override. The more severe the cyanosis, the more aortic override, as more blue blood will go into the aorta yeah. and bluer the baby will look. Of course, and of course, aortic override, by the way, being the third of the features we're looking for. Correct. Yeah. Well spotted. Aortic override mm. is a consequence of the top of the ventricular septum moving towards patient's chest, baby's chest. Mm. We call this anterior deviation of the ventricular septum. Mm. And right ventricle becomes hypertrophied. Mm -hmm and pushes the heart towards right side, and aorta moves to the left because pulmonary stenosis is shrunken smaller. Yeah. So there are a variety of reasons why aorta moves to the right. To the right. And of course, the right ventricular hypertrophy is the fourth of our features. Wonderful. Mm -hmm. Right ventricular hypertrophy is also a consequence of pulmonary stenosis. Mm -hmm. Because of the increased pressure in the right ventricle. Correct. So it is a reflection of pressure loading mm -hmm. of the right ventricle. The more severe the pulmonary stenosis, higher the degree of 
right ventricular hypertrophy. Right ventricular hypertrophy will not be a lesion for us to worry about, but it will be a very helpful tool for us or clue for us mm -hmm. to make the diagnosis of tetralogy when we examine. Because it's something that's a bit more evident Correct. with the investigations and examinations Correct. we do. Mm -hmm. But it may not be so helpful in the immediate newborn period within the first few days because there is RV dominance. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, there was already uh, perhaps so that mixed in with the fact that a few of the findings we wouldn't pick up in that first week anyway. Correct. Where it's it's a very difficult game to play, really, isn't it? Correct. Yeah. Tetralogy of fallow is the commonest cyanotic congenital heart disease seen in children. Mm -hmm. Most commonly, tetralogy would present itself not in the first week of life, but around two three weeks of life, because pulmonary vascular resistance sometimes may take a week, sometimes longer than that. Right. When the pulmonary vascular resistance is high, these patients may not give any evidence of mama, or when the duct is open, these patients may not become very cyanosed, and they may not look unwell. Surprisingly, tetralogy of follow-up patients look well-grown children at birth, and they may completely escape attention because there are two types of tetralogy. Right. One is so-called pink fallow. In those patients, VSD symptoms predominate. The other one is blue fallow, where symptoms of blueness and pulmonary stenosis would predominate. If the child is not detected immediately after birth, on postnatal check, please do not beat yourself up because this child obviously did not have any net shunt across the VSD, hence the cyanosis wasn't obvious, and the pulmonary stenosis could not be heard because PVR was high and therefore murmur was very soft and it was probably not easy to hear for a person who is not experienced to listen to pulmonary stenosis murmur. So the initial murmur might be just so incredibly subtle because of those factors that Correct. we might well completely miss it. Correct. If someone like me, I mean, not so well spotted. Well <laughs> spotted. But I must say, mm. not just pediatricians are vulnerable to this, mm. anyone. That includes cardiologists too. Mm. When a child comes to you with a murmur, then examination um, need to involve looking at the child from the top to toe. Because mm. tetralogy of fallow may be associated with chromosome abnormalities. Mm. The commonest ones are 22Q11 deletion, namely DeGeorge syndrome, mm -hmm. or trisomy 21 or Down syndrome. Yeah. These are the two most common ones we must remember. If the child has dysmorphic features, it will help yeah. making the diagnosis. If they don't, then we need to look for evidence of cyanosis. As I mentioned, cyanosis may not be evident if the child has pink fallow, then main symptom would be breathlessness, failure to thrive, and poor feeding, mm -hmm. in addition to very mild cyanosis. Say this patient has typical tetralogy of fallow, 
you need to look for not just the periphery, patients' fingernails or lips. Mm. I would strongly advise that patients' mucosal membranes yeah. should be carefully examined. Depending on child's ethnic, ethnic background mm. and uh, presence or absence of anemia, differentiation of cyanosis may be difficult. Yeah. So you need to pay attention. I have seen parents who are coming from Asia or Africa, mm. even themselves as medical consultants were unable to appreciate cyanosis. Mm. So if you don't appreciate cyanosis, again, you shouldn't be too upset about it. Mm. You must always look at mucosal membranes and it would not fail you. Yeah, because regardless of ethnicity, Correct. we should be picking up changes. Correct. Those um, areas would not uh, let you down. Mm -hmm. The child coming with suspected cardiac pathology and a little bit blueness, a little bit dysmorphic features, you are thinking of maybe cyanotic condition, mm -hmm. tetralogy of fallow is in the differential diagnosis. Mm -hmm. We will also consider transposition in the differential diagnosis and if the child is well, not breathless, then we might also consider double outlet right ventricle. If the child is breathless too, then you need to think of left-sided obstruction, mm. like coarctation, in addition to tetralogy, although it's very rare mm. to have coarctation. Or it may be truncus arteriosus, you may have cyanosis as well as breathlessness. All right, okay. So those are the things, major things that you should think when you consider tetralogy of follow. Right, so we've got, so to put it back into context again, we've got a child who's come in, let's say there are some subtle dysmorphic features, they come in cyanose, and then we can help split our possibilities by looking at whether they're breathless with its cyanosis or not. Correct. And there are four general categories would give you cyanosis in children. Mm -hmm. One common one, tetralogy scenario or spectrum. Mm -hmm. So what we call it, right ventricular outflow tract obstructions with left to right shunt. Uh, so did you mean um, right to left shunt there, Professor? Well done, it's well spotted. Uh, it was uh, deliberate and you picked uh, that up very, very quickly. Indeed, left to right shunt wouldn't cause cyanosis. I meant right ventricular outflow tract obstructions with right to left shunt. That includes tetralogy, that includes pulmonary atresia with VSD, or critical pulmonary stenosis with VSD. Mm. Second most common cause is transposition. Third common cause is common mixing, like tricuspid atresia, mitral atresia, mm. single ventricle. And the fourth cause is present in both category. The ones present with cyanosis only, and the ones present with cyanosis and breathlessness, which is total anomalous pulmonary venous drainage. This is the fourth cause. Right. If the child has breathlessness as well as cyanosis, then you need to think of truncus arteriosus, total anomalous pulmonary venous drainage with obstruction. Mm -hmm. If there is no obstruction, it wouldn't give breathlessness, total anomalous pulmonary venous drainage. 
And the third reason for breathlessness in children, left right shunt. And the fourth reason is left sided obstruction. That's, that's actually really helpful. I've actually got a diagram forming in my head from what you said. That's brilliant. If you simplify the diagnosis rather than go into a specific abnormality, mm -hmm. it will be very difficult. Mm -hmm. Let's move on to our topic and talk yeah, about yeah, tetralogy. I'm so easily distracted. I'm sorry, Professor Uzi. So let's move on to from inspection to examination. Mm -hmm. I would palpate the precordium very carefully. Mm -hmm. I would palpate the left side of the sternum with my fingertips as well as with my side of my palm. Mm -hmm. And also I would palpate the left ventricle. I would also palpate entire precordium. Mm -hmm. If there is tetralogy of fallow, we would expect RV impulse to be prominent. Mm -hmm. That would strengthen your diagnosis. Yeah. But still, you can't say whether this is tetralogy or pulmonotresia, mm -hmm. whether critical pulmonary stenosis. Then we need to look for peripheral pulses, as I mentioned, tetralogy is hardly associated with, rarely associated with quad patient. Mm. But it's better to be careful than saying sorry. Yeah. It's exceptional for peripheral pulses to be abnormal. Right. So we're expecting normal peripheral pulses Correct. in this case. Correct. Then you need to auscultate. Auscultation would reveal a murmur along the left sternal edge. Mm -hmm. Many people may think VSD murmur would be the predominant murmur yeah. in tetralogy patients, and therefore they instantly think, I must hear a pansystolic murmur. Mm -hmm. But think about it carefully. There is pulmonary stenosis and right ventricular pressure is high. Mm -hmm. Left ventricular pressure and RV pressure are equal. Mm. left ventricular and right ventricular pressures are equal. Mm -hmm. Hence, there is no net flow to yeah. generate pansystolic flow, pansystolic murmur. Sure. So there shouldn't be any movement across the VSD. Correct. Yeah. So it will be no VSD murmur unless the ventricular septum is restricted, mm. which is rare in tetralogy. The murmur, typical murmur in tetralogy, is due to infundibula or sub valva pulmonary stenosis mm -hmm. which will be heard from the mesocardium third and fourth intercostal space on the left side of the sternum all the way up to the second intercostal space and into the both lung fields mm -hmm. so i would advise you to chase the murmur mm -hmm. follow the murmur all along into the peripheral lung fields and this would be a, an ejection systolic murmur. True, ejection systolic murmur because it's going through the semilunar valve or underneath the valve muscular narrowing. Mm -hmm. Ejection systolic murmur can be heard along the left upper sternal edge or mid sternal edge without pulmonary stenosis. Mm -hmm. In the differential diagnosis, you must pay attention to it for subaortic stenosis, mm -hmm. LV outflow tract obstruction due to hokum or subaortic narrowing. Okay. But that murmur would not radiate into the lung fields. Mm -hmm. 
Mm. You need to chase the murmur also along patient's neck. If the murmur is heard in the neck, it will be due to subaortic stenosis. Mm -hmm. But if it radiates into the lung fields, then it will be a further clue to subpulmonary stenosis. Okay. Because the stenosis is underneath the pulmonary valve, you may not hear a click. Mostly, you won't, but if the valve is also abnormal, if there is valvular stenosis, which is quite common finding in tetralogy, mm -hmm. you may be able to hear a, a click too. Mm -hmm. Additional click can be heard in the aortic area. That is due to enlarged aortic root in the overriding aortic valve. Right. Because aorta is so big, valve is so big, then the click might be heard due to aortic overriding, right. not pulmonary stenosis. Mm -hmm. In auscultation, occasionally, you may hear other sounds, but they are less relevant to tetralogy of bowel, mm -hmm. but they might help you to differentiate this murmur from predominant valvular stenosis. In valvular stenosis, you will, you will clearly hear a click, mm -hmm. but in subvalvular stenosis, you do not hear a click. Okay. In valvular stenosis, second heart sound will be diminished. Second heart sound will not be loud. Mm -hmm. In the subpulmonary stenosis, sometimes you may hear second heart sound a little bit louder. Mm -hmm. However, it's not necessary. Okay. If the patient had an ejection systolic murmur, increased right ventricular impulse, obvious cyanosis, you already made the diagnosis of right-sided obstruction with left to right shunt, not still tetralogy of valve. But we've managed to significantly narrow our diagnosis Correct. there. Correct. You excluded TAPVD, mm. you excluded other pathologies mm. like common mixing, so on. Yeah. Then you need to look at other tools. Mm. Can you tell me what tool that we might, what our investigation we might request? So thinking of things that would be readily available to us as general paediatricians, probably anyone who's presenting with a heart murmur and possible cyanosis, I'd be thinking about doing an ECG and maybe even a chest x-ray. ECG and chest x-ray. I would agree with you. Mm. How about checking babies or child saturation first? <laughs> yeah, that would, that would make sense. <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure. I, and now I feel like I'm justifying myself, but I feel like um, saturation is something I always assume is a given because the observations are taken before the child even comes. But of course, yes, you'd need to check saturation. So you need to check saturation. Yes. That's very important. We need to check blood pressure. Yeah. Because this baby may have cyanosis due to methemoglobinemia. Mm. So remember, and baby may have different ethnic background. Mm. So saturation measurement is important. Mm -hmm. We mustn't ignore that. Yeah. Blood pressure is also important. It's an essential type of it. Mm -hmm. Let's have a look at the ECG. What sort of abnormality we may expect? Can so, you tell one or two things? Perhaps one thing as a result of four features. 
which one of them might show itself on the ECG? Well, given that we've already discussed it quite in depth, we've got um, re right ventricular hypertrophy. Perfect. So I suspect that might well show up on ECG. Perfect. Excellent. Right ventricular hypertrophy is due to pressure overloading. Mm. Hence, it would be slightly different than usual RV dominance of newborn. Mm. In RV dominance of newborn, you may still see an S wave in V1, but the R wave will not be dominating in V2. Mm -hmm. But if there is tetralogy of Fowler, you will probably see obvious right ventricular hypertrophy with pure R waves in V1, V2, and AVR. That would be quite helpful. In some tetralogy patients with no RVH, pink fellow, yeah. um, in those patients, right ventricular hypertrophy may be present with left ventricular hypertrophy due to left to right shunting. One needs to remember all these differences. Yeah. And uh, some patients may have such exceptions. So we looked at the ECG. ECG also strengthened our argument that this might be right-sided obstruction. Yeah. Do you think chest x-ray might be helpful? Yeah, so mainly, <laughs> mainly this is because it came up in the exams very often um, and Tetralogy is famous for, for the boot-shaped half x-ray. Perfect. So to be honest, I never understood why it looked like a boot. It would be really helpful to understand that. Brilliant. <laughs> the boot-shaped heart is the appearance of right ventricle pushing the apex upwards and to the left. Mm. Therefore, changing the angle between arterial pedicle and the rest of the ventricle. Yeah. So instead of having wider angle between arterial pedicle, which is aorta and the pulmonary artery, mm -hmm. and the long axis of the heart, you have almost acute angle yeah. of the great vessels and the long axis of the heart, tip of the apex. Almost like 90 degrees. Correct. Yeah. So that gives you impression of rounded apex, mm -hmm. up tilted towards left. This is due to right ventricular hypertrophy, pulmonary stenosis, and overriding aorta. Yeah. And that will probably help you make the diagnosis with almost 99% certainty. <laughs> okay then you need to find that one percent mm -hmm. so as a pediatrician do not undermine your value and your role in making the diagnosis mm -hmm. and all you need a seal all you need a stamp from a specialist pediatric cardiologist to perform an echocardiogram i'm sure this tool will be available to you in the future as a mobile equipment you will be using the mobile ultrasound equipment with your smartphones and a little probe like your pencil. The prototypes are available. <laughs> they will probably come to you. I look forward to the day because that sounds really exciting. <laughs> and it will make your day easier. Yeah. Job is easier. And we must take every step to teach general pediatrician echocardiogram. I totally believe in that. Mm. So what would uh, the other investigations, they are historical investigations like catheterizations, we don't do it anymore. Mm. Echocardiogram is the, uh, is the tool mm. to make the diagnosis. 
but 100% certainty. Very rarely, we may resort to cardiac MRI or CT if we cannot demonstrate central pulmonary arteries or if you would like to sh make sure that patient has some collaterals coming from aorta or if you would like to look at the presence of vascular ring particularly in children who may present with swallowing difficulty or breathing difficulty and tetralogy of follow. Why I said that? Because 10% of patients with tetralogy of follow will have right aortic arch. If the right aortic arch is associated with aberrant left subclavian artery, it will give you esophageal or tracheal compression. Right. Hence, blue baby, respiratory difficulty, noisy breathing, swallowing difficulty, vomiting or choking mm. should alert you to such lateral thinking. Right. And you would look very, very smart. <laughs> That would be a rarity for me, so that would be nice. It is rarity. <laughs> However, sometimes it might cause significant problems. Yeah. If it is ignored, then in the future it may lead to permanent tracheal damage. Okay. That is important. 10% is not a small number mm. in tetralogy patients. So diagnosis of tetralogy with cardiac ultrasound examination will exhibit one, as we previously mentioned, pulmonary stenosis narrowing underneath the pulmonary valve that is due to deviation of the superior portion of the ventricular septum towards the RV free wall and narrowing underneath the pulmonary valve. So we call that anterior deviation. Very rarely, tip of the ventricular septum may deviate to the left. This time it might cause what we call it posterior deviation mm -hmm. and in the future it might lead to left ventricular outflow tract contraction. Mm -hmm. Second feature on echocardiogram will be VSD, third feature is tetralogy of follow and the fourth one is overriding aorta. And as echocardiographer they need to look at other rare features too. Yeah. And thank you to Professor Uzun for taking time to discuss Tetralogy of Fallow with us. Like I said, we'll soon be releasing the follow-up episode to this, where we'll be discussing the management of Tetralogy. Hope you're all keeping well in this current climate of COVID. And please join us again next week for the next episode. Thank you for listening to Dragon Bites.